This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, happy Thursday, Jacksonville, Florida. How you doing, everybody else uh, within the city limits and outside the city limits of Jacksonville? Hope you're having a good day. Another beauty here in Northeast Florida, of course. Florida continues to open its doors to any sport <laughs> that wants to come in. The Swamp, Florida State, here in Jacksonville, come on down. Uh, that's what the governor said, and uh, also now some of the athletic directors around the state are saying as well uh, here in uh, the professional sports realm, not just for college football, but for professional sports if they need to entertain anybody. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the college game today. Uh, we got into it a little bit yesterday, but not enough. I want to talk about some of the other sports outside of college football and maybe a little bit more how the landscape could change uh, with the pandemic. Uh, probably not too much on it, but a, a final thought or two, kind of a continuation, if you will, of our conversation. Why can't we do that? I mean, they do that all the time in TV shows, to be continued. You wait a week for the next edition of The Last Dance. I mean, yeah. why can't we go into tomorrow? It's appointment listening anyway most of the time around right, here, but right? You know how we do it, though, man. People hang on every single word that we say. So to give them a week off, I mean, who knows what could happen? Not a week. You just need about 20 one hours. Give them 21 hours off. Who knows what could happen? Yeah. Who knows how much I'll forget. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We tease a lot of stuff that's never been delivered here. Well, so. I mean, don't say that. Maybe the bosses don't know, but yeah, yeah, got a little they don't of that. know. Listen to the opening of the show and listen through the end and see what happens. Uh, don't Spoiler tell the alert. secrets, man. Don't the tell secrets. the secrets. Everybody knows, Brett. It's all right, though. It's kind of like our calling card. Yeah, a little bit. I yeah. guess uh, the, the, the hangover effect. There we go. And I multiple like respects. <laughs> Brent Martineau, Austin Lane Coos here on a uh, Thursday. And Blake Snell, I was afraid of this. Major League Baseball, we'll talk about it coming up in a bit. But the players are not going to get the public opinion. Yeah. Not going to get the public perception. And Blake Snell as a pitcher for Tampa Bay. And he was on Twitch because he loves the gaming and he's a, he got a big following there. And he's on it all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if he was maybe influenced. Mm-hmm. Whether he was sober or not, I have no idea, and he was just spouting off. But what he said is so fascinating because I want to get your take on it from a player perspective. And then outside the player perspective, how will it be received? And I already know which way that is going. And it's even in my own house I was interested. I played it for Ty because he's a Tampa fan, so he likes Blake Snell. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to get his reaction to it uh, as well. But this is a little bit of the issue I think Major League Baseball will have over the next few weeks in terms of trying to negotiate. And uh, the players have a chance to come off looking not so great to the public. But are they right? Yeah, that's a different story. Those are two different things uh, to get into. Here on a Thursday on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We continue to celebrate local sports. We've been doing this throughout the pandemic, and we will continue to do so. Now, we might run out of teams, yeah. and we're getting toward the end, but we getting still have a few teams left. Yep. Um, and uh, we did this in no particular order, by the way. Uh, just sometimes, like we did the Jumbo Shrimp when it lined up uh, with the, their opening day. That mm -hmm. would have been uh, their home opener. We did like uh, JU and UNF right around the time where colleges – and we're finding out that they weren't going to have their spring seasons. And so the Jacksonville Armada today is uh, who we will celebrate in local sports. So we'll have Nathan Walter on, the president and GM of the Jacksonville Armada. And here's the biggest question about the Jacksonville Armada. What are they doing? 
what are they doing? Are they playing? Are they still alive? Do they have big visions? Yeah. And and I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. Like, you seriously wonder, as a sports fan here in the area, it's been a little bit difficult to follow the Armada. And one a little bit of that is soccer. So soccer can be we, – we're not all in tune with how to follow the structure of soccer, mm-hmm. especially here in the States. Uh, and where the Armada has been, where they are going, I think they still have major plans here in Jacksonville, but they are one of the most unique – organizations in terms of the relationship with the city of Jacksonville that I've seen in my dozen years and maybe in the history of of the city of Jacksonville kind of the way they they were they started big they sold uh to a, a different group and then they kind of went dark because of the collapse of the league and now they're reshuffling things once again and I still think they have plans to try to build a stadium and try to be a big presence here in Jacksonville mm-hmm. but usually what you'll see is if something doesn't work it's gone or if it's not working the way people want it, it's gone. That's not necessarily the case with the Armada. And so uh, we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, the Armada, with a cool name. Of course. Right? Had a nice little cool logo. following right after. You know, soccer growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that the Section 904, it was, it was fun to go to some of those soccer games mm-hmm. for the Armada. Problem is for the fans, they haven't had soccer games to go to. Yeah. And I almost wonder if this benefits them a little bit, this pandemic, because they are in kind of this transition time where they're trying to get all their ducks in a row. And so it's not at least harming them to not be playing because wouldn't be playing that much anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's not harming them from that, but obviously the future remains a big question mark right now. So I'm curious to kind of pick a few brains here to see where they're at because there was big aspirations and and that's great and everything that's great for the city of jacksonville and if if you're a resident here in jacksonville you should be excited you know anytime um you know sports teams can make that next step and, and build and and grow it's good for the city um unfortunately right now there's not a lot of things growing just because of the pandemic going on yeah absolutely uh tyson holyfield in their 50s mm. would you watch it how watched would it be mm. And uh, is it an exhibition? Is it a joke? Does it hurt their legacies by doing something? Mm-hmm. If it were to happen, I think it's still a big if. There's a lot going around now that Mike is training. And, uh, well, did it, you see Evander Holyfield training, too? And Holyfield's no. training. So what are they doing here? Is this a charitable opportunity? Is this is this a real thing? But you know what? It's almost like forget about that. Let's play the hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Mike Tyson, one of the biggest draws ever, maybe, in sports. Mm-hmm. If he were to fight, and even if it was anybody, but especially Holyfield, how locked in would you be to the hat to see it, even if you'd have to tell yourself, what am I doing here? <laughs> so would I be locked in to see it? Um, yes. Now, depending on how much it costs, would I buy it? That's a different question. Yeah, okay. Like, point. listen, these guys are in their 50s. Okay. I obviously past their primes. And once again... Far be it from me to say, you know, to Mike Tyson, hey, man, you shouldn't probably box because it's probably not the best for your health. But, I mean, that's that's not me talking. You know, that's that's science. Obviously, when you get up there in age, any punishment that you take, um, I think it's going to have lasting effects. You know, like, if I'm if I'm doing MMA until the age of 50, someone just cut my cord. Like, seriously, just say, you know, you're, you're absolutely done. Um, you're, you're not fighting anymore. Like, seriously, if, I, if I'm fighting until the age of 50, there's there's something wrong with me. And I get it. Mike Tyson and Vander Holyfield, there's still a lot of unfinished business, obviously. The ear-biting incident. And it's funny because the whole ear-biting incident was really my introduction to watching Mike Tyson live. I forgot how old I was, but I remember being in a bowling alley watching that take place. And I thought, ah, ear-biting. I must be part of boxing. Like, I, I, was, I was really young. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the, that was kind of my introduction to Mike Tyson. Obviously, as I got older, I went back and, you know, watched old school videos and everything like that. 
but it's two big names. I think Mike Tyson being the bigger name, I think he um, is big with any generation. You know, he carries that much weight, whether he's in The Hangover, whether his Broadway show on HBO, whether it's his cartoon on Cartoon Network. Like, people know who Mike Tyson is. But I wonder that if it's just, is the juice worth the squeeze? You know, in terms of, of health. And, and I get if it's for charity, that's a good cause. But here's my point, and I'm going to play matchmaker real quick. Coos, how old are you? Uh, twenty-eight. Okay. <laughs> you okay? You, you would say you're, you're, you're kind of like the you kind of like a voice of like the millennial generation, correct? I uh, mean, uh, you're, sure. you're a little older, but I, like you're still hip to it. Uh, yeah, the millennial generation right now is saying we don't elect coups. No, yeah, for sure. Elect, but, they don't want me to. No, for sure. but, but, but I mean, I think you know what I'm saying, though, right? Like you kind of have your finger on the pulse of like the younger crowds more than I do, I think, and more than Brent does. Well, I am on TikTok. There you go. Enough said. Give me three facts about Evander Holyfield. I got nothing for you. Okay. Give me, uh, do you know who Jake or Logan Paul are? I do know who those guys are. Who are those guys? They're YouTube streamers. And give, they give me also w- set up fights. Give me one popular video of Jake Paul or Logan Paul. I, I don't care. I don't know. You, well, you make it up. Just I give think, me one no, popular video. I think video. Logan Paul got in trouble because he went to the, uh, he went to Japan in like the, the suicide forest. Okay. He like did a video there. So you obviously know who he is, right? Oh, I, I know that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Brent, do you know who did the biggest boxing numbers last year in terms of, of, of a setup for, for fighting? It, was, it happened on Dazzin. Do you know who had the biggest fight last year? It was Jake and Logan Paul. Okay. They, they they fought YouTube stars themselves. Oh, I remember that. But he, tried, that. he also called out um, Antonio Brown. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And he wants to fight Antonio Brown now. But here's my point. I remember all that. Yeah, yeah. Here's my point. Okay. I don't know Jake or Logan Paul personally. Okay. One could say that if you film someone killing themselves in the suicide forest, you're probably not the smartest individual. Okay. Obviously. Um, and I think that these two guys, they're in the need for views. They're in the need for entertainment. And to be fair, they're both pretty good athletes. Now, I think is, it, is Logan Paul the guy that's the bigger one, Coos, or Jake? I, I, I don't know. Uh, I think Logan's the older one. Okay, so we'll say Logan. So Logan, former wrestler, wants to get an MMA, all this stuff, actually trained with some UFC fighters. Why wouldn't you get like a Logan Paul versus Mike Tyson? For a couple reasons. Number one, could Logan Paul beat Mike Tyson? Slim chance, you know, in in. You you know what, but at least, like, for Mike Tyson, that's a good fight, okay? Number two, it puts eyes on Logan Paul, right? Because that's what he's all about. And that's what they want. Uh, all about the entertainment and everything. Can you imagine, like, if you're a YouTube star, you're fighting Mike Tyson? Like, that's, like, something to put on your resume right there. And then number three, you bring the eyes that, you know, are for Logan Paul, and then you bring the old heads for Mike Tyson. It's not all, all about charity more. It's about old school versus new school. Because when Logan Paul or Jake Paul had their boxing match, the, like, the old school boxing heads hated it. They're like, what? This isn't boxing. Like, literally, the, the, the biggest pay-per-view comes from YouTube stars. You guys are killing the sport. So why not have it where, like, you have an old school guy like Mike Tyson take on a new YouTube guy like Jake or Logan Paul? That's that, a great idea. I think that, to that... me, is the money fight. I'm pretty sure because of them, it spawned a lot of, like, celebrities. Like, remember when Justin Bieber was calling out, like, Tom Cruise? Oh, of course. It, they, I think it, it all because started they with saw them. the numbers and yeah. you can make money off it, it. It all started with them. So my point is, why wouldn't you capitalize on the biggest fight of all time? And have like a Mike Tyson versus Logan or Jake Paul. And I'm no, I'm no like expert, but I have a feeling like I think Mike Tyson would just absolutely wreck him because I mean, well, but that's possibly, what people want to see. Anyway. That's what people want to see yeah. because either you love Logan or Jake Paul or you hate them. But the, the fact is, you're tuning in to watch them to get knocked out yeah. or to watch history be made. But you're going to tune in to watch it. Mike Tyson, one of the most fascinating athletes of all time, because he really, from a persona standpoint, for the first 25 years at least of his life, felt like a villain. Mm-hmm. And, like, why would you celebrate him? Why would you support that? Well, 
uh, he certainly loosened that. He, he has become less of that after serving time in, in prison, after biting the ear off of, yeah. of Holyfield. And it's almost like he now has this great respect of people. People are in awe of seeing that's Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. you know. It's a really strange uh, relationship with with people and fans uh, for Mike Tyson, who really is a strange guy. I mean, to be quite honest, I mean, he's he's one of the most unique personas and obviously one of the great power punchers and boxers of all time. So yeah. uh, it's fascinating. You know, speaking of uh, the images, mm-hmm. uh, the image of him biting the ear mm-hmm. is, is one of the most well-known in sport. You brought up a great uh, topic yesterday we didn't get to, but Bobby Orr, that fly across, that Superman across the ice, uh, which is one of the great still images of all first, time. First Stanley Cup for Boston. Yeah, and it was the, the anniversary of it in the last week or so. Yep. So you brought up a, a great, what are some of the great images of all time? Why do we love still images, even yeah. in this day and age, mm-hmm. right, of, of video and HD video? And we love those kind of shots. What are some of the greats of all time? Uh, we'll get into that a, a little bit uh, later. What makes a great image? Uh, and, and obviously, in a monumental time, Tyson and Holyfield and that extraordinary event, that makes that helps an image. But it's not always those kind of events that makes a great image. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that uh, side of things as well. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will talk the state of Florida, but also the state of the college game in sports and how – forget about football – But the landscape is changing. And then if you add football in, will the landscape change? I always wondered this for the last however many years. As salaries were going up, 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 what is the tipping point? How much can you pay a college coach? Well, are we about to find out that universities, even the great programs, can only afford so much? And you either pay the coach or you lose other sports? You either support football the way it does because it makes so much money or you lose other sports. And are you willing to do that? Could you have Title IX ramifications? All these other things. There's a complex issue going on, I think, in college athletics right now that probably makes ADs all over the country, from smaller schools to big schools, very, very nervous. We'll talk about it next. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We have to over-communicate with the parents. Because, look, I'll, if it's my kid, I'm not putting them on a plane to South Bend, Indiana. Nobody drives to our campus. We, we have very few kids within three hours of our campus. You're putting your son on a plane to Notre Dame. I better know exactly what's in place for my son when he gets there that he's not going to get sick. And so we we have to do a really good job of putting this together so we can over-communicate with the parents as well. Uh, pretty insightful and I think honest for Brian Kelly, Notre Dame head coach, uh, on the football side of things. And I think everybody's just, you know, behind the curtain of college football where, yeah, everybody's concerned about the pandemic and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I don't mean it like blah, 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 but you get my point. I think it is a little blah, blah, blah to them because it's all about money at the end of the day. Uh, so it's kind of refreshing to hear Brian Kelly say, what he's saying there is an actual concern it's concern about the student athletes it's concern about the players you haven't heard many guys say that at least i haven't i haven't listened to every coach i'm sure some have but for brian kelly high profile notre dame to say that whereas i think the conversation going on in college football so much is yeah we don't need everybody we just go play and why What's the motivation? Well, one, it would give us a leg up in branding. It would give us a leg up over everybody else anyway because we're playing and you're not and really the most important reason it's money 
money to our program. We won't suffer. We're going to get the dollars coming in. And that's just being real. That's the way it is. And whether that's wrong or not, I don't know. That's big business. And the NCAA and college football and college basketball is big business. They don't want to admit it, but it is. And it was refreshing to hear Brian Kelly say that in that respect to what about the student athletes? I would be concerned if I was sending my kid there. I don't know how I would feel if I was sending – I'm sending my kids to high school. I don't know how I would feel about sending my kids to universities right now with people coming from all over the country, uh, not just driving in. But even if they were driving in from different parts of the state of Florida or coming in from Georgia, you're coming from different areas. I would say I would probably think as long as they feel like they're comfortable with it, I would probably be comfortable with it. But I have to trust a lot of people in that process to do so and know that it's not just about dollars. And if I'm being completely honest with myself, it's usually about dollars. Listen, when you say they feel comfortable, do you mean the coaches feel comfortable with bringing the student athletes in? Or are you talking Parents. about the, the – okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, – Like I would probably send my kid. Right. Sure. If it, like Tennessee says it's open enough. I, I don't I don't have many reservations about it. They say mm-hmm. you're ready. You think you're opening up. You're ready to open up. You're going to take the precautions. I trust you to do it. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I do know uh, the reason we really want to open up and make sure we're doing things is the almighty dollar. You've got to be careful about that. But that's just part of it. it. It is, you know, and obviously with COVID-19, it affects, you know, more of the older crowd than actually like this, you know, the the symptoms and everything. So, you know, assuming that, you know, your, your kid goes to school, your kid plays a sport or something like that, you at least feel confident in terms of, well, at least they're healthy, you know, and, and that could help out, um, you know, combat COVID-19. It is a slippery slope, right? Because you, you don't be the one parent that says, no, you can't go. And like all of a sudden everybody else is going, right? That's like, yeah. and that's and nobody like, ever gets sick. That, that, that's yeah. like being the, the parent that doesn't let your kid go to a sleepover and everybody else does, you know, and then all of a sudden you're, you're made fun of because you didn't get to go. So... You kind of have to go with the status quo here a little bit, but at the same time, I'll say this though: it is refreshing to know that there are coaches out there, like you know, at Notre Dame, where the student athlete is still considered, right? Where they aren't just pawns in a chess game that's trying to make money; like they actually care about the student athlete's well-being, and that's refreshing to hear. Because all I've been reading about is, oh, what are universities going to do if they're on the football season? How are they going to afford this? How are they going to afford that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what about the student athletes getting ready to participate? What, what about the kids getting back on campus? What is their health going to be like? That's what we should be asking ourselves right now. Yeah, and I, I think um, I'm not. By the way, I understand there's a lot of Notre Dame haters out there, and I'm not saying Brian Kelly's the only one doing this. I I just, in a soundbite like that, at least he's acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Notre Dame cares about some of the dollars in football as well. Well, and Brian Kelly needs a season to go off without a hitch because if they just play a conference opponents, what's Notre Dame going to do? Well, it's a great call on, on how they would process all that. Yeah. How would they go about the scheduling? Now, would they be able to adopt into that ACC uh, because they kind of do anyway. They've got that hybrid uh, set A little bit, yeah. Uh, you know, or will some of the independents continue to play each other, you know, yeah. w- which they have in the past? Well, if that's the case, then I'm not giving you guys the UCF treatment. Like, you're going to play a bunch of cream puffs. You're not going to get a chance to go to the playoffs as far as I'm concerned, then, if that's Notre Dame. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this, this is less about football today. And uh, although I do have one football topic, but I want to get to this first. Like, Division two, I think, in the state of California, Division two conference said, hey, we're done. Mm-hmm. Like next year in the fall, no fall sports. I said we brought up yesterday the MAC, and this one really got my attention. I told you this yesterday. Conference tournaments no longer for the next four years. You know, what is the domino effect going to be at places like UNF and JU? And I'm not. And again, those places don't have football. JU not anymore. UNF doesn't. They do have basketball. That's a primary sport. 
But what is going to happen to all these other sports? And what do you say about all those other sports? I know everybody from a fan perspective says, ah, it's football and basketball. It's power five, football, power five, basketball. Okay, yep. I get it. But you know what? Is your kid playing track and field? Is your kid playing lacrosse? My kids are baseball and softball. I played Division II mm-hmm. baseball. You tell me if I had to go back and they're going to tell me I, I can't play? There's an opportunity that that was one of my fondest times of being alive was playing Division II baseball. And it wasn't nobody cared that I played it, mm-hmm. but I did. Mm-hmm. You're taking those opportunities away from kids. How many are those going to suffer? And not only at the D2 level, I'm talking about any kind of level, because we've already seen men's soccer go away in Cincinnati. There's talk about other programs. This will be a catalyst to get other programs eliminated because it's an excuse. And then, of course, the Title IX factor comes in and schools will really have to be careful of that on the women's side too well keep in mind too you know with the mac making these changes um field hockey men's soccer women's soccer men's tennis women's tennis women's lacrosse softball and baseball all their conference tournaments are getting cut but actually the, the basketball team will the basketballs will uh you know teams will still be able to feature in the conference tournament they cut it down from 12 to 8 and obviously there still will be a, a conference championship for football as well but they they are making you know the necessarily uh, adjustments to try to combat what's going on right now and it goes to show you you know it goes to show you where if you play field hockey if you play soccer if you play tennis lacrosse let's be honest you're you're, you're not um as valuable to the university as a football player or sometimes as a basketball player and that's just that's the uh, that's the truth, and it's it's a hard truth to face, but it is what it is from that standpoint. So, once again, I mean, will more conferences take note? I mean, obviously the MAC, you know, they're a little bit on the smaller side, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if more schools start taking note. Obviously, when you talk about sports that aren't bringing a lot of revenue to their schools. Well, listen, and I think people that uh, you might have a little bit of a complex over that or whatever. The reality is what you just said. Football and basketball usually brings in money. There Mm -hmm. might be other places like does baseball bring in money at Mississippi State? Probably. I mean, they pack that place. It's a a brand new stadium. They do really well. They get great exposure. College World Series. I'm sure they make dollars. LSU probably the same way. But overall, you you can't sit here and tell me that it's a big revenue sport for most colleges is is baseball Mm -hmm. or lacrosse or others. There are opportunities these and some are unique in their own different way but it's baseball basketball and, and football we get that but what, that doesn't mean that you don't like playing it that doesn't mean that they're an important part of the community aspect the athletic programs on a college campus and it also means a lot of opportunity for kids could potentially go away you know that's a carrot that dangles for a lot of high school athletes for people that do uh do travel ball or whatever else now i think it's kind of a misnomer that a lot of people do this investment and travel ball and all this stuff for scholarships. Heck, if you're talking baseball, there's 11.8 scholarships. The chances are you're not going to make up for the money you spent on travel ball anyway. Quite (laughs) frankly, if you're being honest with yourself, that's a different topic. But the opportunity, is it about to go away for a lot of different people and players uh, and kids uh, around Mm -hmm. the country on the outside of this? I I to some degree, I would say yes. I think there will be opp- – we're already seeing it. Opportunity to play men's soccer in Cincinnati no longer exists. Yeah, I mean, you're losing the chance to get a scholarship. You're losing the chance you know, to, to really play athletic sports in high school because some kids, that is the goal. The goal is to get a scholarship. The goal is to get your college paid for. And if the, if the journey that you're on right now doesn't provide that in high school, well, then the only logical thing would be to switch sports and try something else. So, you know, this really could hurt – Sports like baseball, 
this could hurt softball. Um, obviously, football is going to always flourish. I think even basketball, too, as well. But, yes, this could hurt some of the of the smaller sports at every single university because now, all of a sudden, it's not about getting a scholarship um, at some of these things. Maybe it's about something else. So I agree with you. Florida Tech uh, is a Division two school down in the Melbourne area. They already have said no more football, disbanding that. Uh, that's like 120 people, I think I read, with coaches and, and staff members and players that don't get the opportunity. That's at the Division two level. And a lot of people, again, are like, eh, whatever, who cares? Well, if your kid's good enough to play Division two but not Division one, you probably would care. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of opportunities. Just to let you know, there's more than just the football conversations. That's my point of this. Minnesota, Wisconsin, thrown... For losses in sports budget crunch is is one headline. Cincinnati drops men's soccer. Old Dominion cuts wrestling, citing financial impact of COVID-19. Louisville furloughs 45 athletic department staffers. Boise State coaches athletic staff furloughed. Colorado athletic director, three head coaches, take 10% pay cut. P.J. Fleck, unpaid week. We, we, who makes $4.9 million. Who cares? Syracuse coaches Jim Behan, Dino Babers, pay cut. Rutgers athletic director, three highest paid coaches, pay cut. Kansas Les Miles, Bill Self, Jeff Long, salary cuts. Texas Tech trims seven million from the athletic budget. See, it's bigger than just football and big name coaches and and big name uh, basketball as well. We'll get back to it because I think when you talk about the big names and the high salaries, is that about the change? Could that change? Have we reached finally the tipping point in college football and college basketball of these absurd salaries? We'll get to that in a bit. But first, when we come back, we celebrate the Jacksonville Armada. Where are they? In their quest to win over soccer here in Northeast Florida, Nathan Walter joins us next on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin of Austin Lane, Coos on a Thursday. And what we've been doing during the pandemic is trying to celebrate local sports. Uh, all the local sports franchises, some of the colleges as well, really had a lot of fun doing it, uh, partly because we want to reintroduce you or keep you keep them relevant uh, to the teams that, that kind of make our local sports scene go. Uh, but I also think for a lot of these teams – Everything has hit the pause button. I think uh, they, they've earned the opportunity to kind of fill us in on what's going on, how they're dealing with the pandemic. But also, we want them to keep churning after this thing is all done. So um, really a lot of different reasons why, but we've enjoyed it, had a lot of fun with it. And it's been great having some of the guests on and, and some of the uh, the organizations and today, it's Jacksonville Armada Day. Of course, the soccer team in town. But what is going on with the Jacksonville Armada? It has been a time of transition over the last couple of years or so. We've had this man in before. Nathan Walter joins us right now in Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He is the president and general manager of the Armada. Nathan, how you doing, man? Hope you and your family are doing well. Hey, how are you all? Yes, very well. We're, we're- Yes, we feel very fortunate and very thankful, but uh, all well. That's good to hear, man. And uh, tell us how the Jacksonville Armada doing. You guys uh, came out with some news uh, that we'll get into a little bit later on earlier this week. But I think for I told you this, I think for our listeners, for, for listeners, for people who are fans of the Armada, I think it has been a high time of transition. Uh, tell us where that part is. Uh, where is this soccer club? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As you know, every time we get on here, there's little updates. There's certain moving parts, and um, we thought we were starting to move and, and trek in the right direction. And then, unfortunately, this pandemic has 
has obviously made a global uh, a global impression on the world and, and everything's kind of paused. So, um, you know, the stadium stuff right now is, is, is obviously on pause. Um, luckily, our local market will hopefully rebound a lot quicker uh, than, the, than some of the global markets out there. But um, so the, the stadium piece is on pause right now. Uh, the U23 uh, season was cancelled. Um, we were supposed to kick off May 7th, and, um, and obviously that's been cancelled for the summer. Um, and then obviously we've had some youth transition, uh, which which we'll get on to further in the in the conversation. But um, yeah, yeah, it's you know it's an evolving world right now, and uh, we're kind of just trying to be flex- flexible on the situation and and keep moving forward and strategically lining ourselves up. Uh, to obviously, you know, come back on this rebirth and, uh, and 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 do the right things, basically in the market. Nathan Walter with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Jacksonville Armada Day. He's the president and GM of the Armada. I almost feel like there, there's like a timeline of things ever since uh, the the sale of the Armada and then the cancellation of the league. How have you guys weathered all of this? Uh, and kind of strategically developed a plan that you knew would take a little bit of time because finding the right spot is so key. So how has that been? Is it is it on schedule? Uh, has it been a longer timeline than you hoped? Where you guys yeah. are in, in, in that regard? Yes, yeah, so obviously we were we were trekking with the the city council approved the option agreement on the on the land opportunity um, that was back in uh, end of January, beginning of February, and. Um, and things were moving, you know, lots of good conversation. We were getting prepared to to obviously uh, close on the site and, and start the rezoning process on the site. Uh, but obviously with, with the pandemic uh, coming at the time it did, it's obviously slowed us down. And um, we're not quite sure, if I'm completely honest with you, what that time frame looks like. Right now we're probably sit, sitting at a six-month six month delay. Um, but as time keeps going on here and, and, and as we keep moving forward, uh, it could be a little longer now. You know, our our, our, our time frame for the stadium. We still have uh, the time frames implemented with our agreement with the city. So we're we're fully aware of that, and we're fully aware uh, certain things are going to be done by certain times. So, um, but we're not we're not. You know, it's it's not panic mode right now. Everything's still very much available, and uh, and um, yeah. So that's kind of the stadium piece right now, and and obviously the stadium piece lines up. Uh, the future league collaboration and what that looks like, you know, look, it's, 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 we're, we're talking to, to different leagues right now, trying to understand what's the best position for the Jacksonville Armada for the future sustainability of the club. Uh, unfortunately in us soccer, uh, the stadium <laughs> comes before the league. And, um, you know, as, as you know, in Jacksonville, we didn't have a soccer specific stadium that ticked the boxes for the professional league standards. Of professional leagues in in in, uh, in the United States, so we're obviously working hard to tick those boxes, and then the league situation will kind of fall into place uh, once we are fully uh, fully ticked on the checklist of the professional league standards. Well, that's a great explanation of it. Yeah, I think you answered a lot of questions right there. It's almost the old "if you build it, they will come," right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's exactly sense. right. Uh, so uh, let me just be blunt with you here and say. Does the future of the Jacksonville Armada, the success of the organization, the, uh, uh, I guess, the security of being here in Jacksonville long term, all depend on the stadium? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you look at any example across the the US in uh, in, um, in in lower league soccer and even and even in major league soccer, um, the teams that have been successful are the teams that have sustainability through their own stadium and a good stadium deal. Where look, by all means, we're not monetizing the stadium enough to become multi millionaires. It just does not happen. Uh, what the stadium will allow us to do, though, is to stabilize and and know that you know each year we're hitting revenues to enable the team to keep playing. Um, it's uh, it's it's obviously an investment in itself. Um, there is a legacy play, which we've we've said this before with Robert, and um, and you know and, and he's still fully committed to this market, and um, and he's fully committed to the project and making sure that he you know sees it through. That's Robert Palmer, by the way, uh, RP funding. Go ahead, Austin. Nathan, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit of it. And can you talk about, you know, the, the MLS uh, elite youth development platform that you guys are kind of switching to now? What went into that? And what is the plan going forward now with the youth program? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll talk about the youth, uh, our youth strategy first, and then I'll get on to the, uh, the MLS program that the, uh, that the Jacksonville FC Youth Academy have just joined. So our strategy, so... Uh, going back a few years, with the previous ownership, there was a uh, partnership formed between the Jacksonville FC and the Armada, and it was an intellectual property uh, agreement. And there was some funding uh, given to the to the Armada or the Jacksonville FC Youth Academy. Now, when the league took over the team, that agreement was kind of put to the side, and it was said when a new owner comes in and takes over the team, we had to, you know reevaluate that whole uh, situation um that was a five-year agreement at that point now when robert came in we obviously sat down with the the board of the uh of the jfc of jacksonville fc and we said look we we, we understand there's there's a bad situation here we understand it's a very complicated situation here we're willing to do a two-year intellectual property agreement and navigate ourselves through this and within two years which is where we sit today where that intellectual property agreement finishes on June 1st, um, it was best in our eyes, in the eyes of the Armada, to become a all-inclusive pro team. So we didn't have a, a certain youth affiliate. You know, you, you have programs like uh, Florida Elite. Uh, you have other minor programs within Northeast Florida. And, um, and with us being exclusive just to one youth academy, it really shut the doors on those other those other academies and those other children. So we've really, really focused our strategy on saying, you know what, let's be inclusive to everybody. Let's take away that barrier. You know, it was great. It was great for the youth club. I mean, they grew astronomically. I want to say they they improved by about 1,500 members over the, mm-hmm. over the two to three years of the partnership using the Armada IP. So, you know, it affected, it affected good things and positive things. But at this point where the Armada and the strategy that we have to move forward and we'll be announcing some some grassroots stuff that, you know, we're going to be doing over the next over the next uh, 12 to 12 to 18 months. uh, Once we get through this pandemic, um, that announcement will be coming out here shortly. Uh, But we have a whole grassroots strategy um, that we want to implement to make sure the game, the beautiful game is inclusive to everybody. And there's an opportunity for everybody to play it. You know, we don't need to get involved in in uh, in building out a youth academy and then all of a sudden being seen as competing, you know, in the youth market. We want to be there to support it, help it, raise it. And um, and then at, at some point, we hope there's a possibility 
that we can, uh, at the high level, at the elite level, that uh, we can sign a player to a professional Armada contract and have a homegrown-type local player representing the Armada. So we had this whole youth strategy change. On the, on the MLS side, uh, the, 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 the U.S. soccer used to have the U.S. Development Academy, and JSC, or the Jacksonville Armada at the time, was an affiliate of the U.S. Development Academy. U.S. soccer just came out and announced that they are going to remove that program. And basically what MLS have done is just gone and picked up that program. So MLS have gone and picked up that program, said, you know what, we're going to rebrand it MLS. We're going to change a couple of things internally, which I have to say I, I'm actually pro to. I think, I think there's some really good changes in it. Um, but all they've basically done is picked up what was the U.S. Development Academy program and made it the MLS Academy program. So what that means is, quote, unquote, you know, again, there's no one officially saying this, but, quote, unquote, it's the highest level of youth soccer in the country, right? So our local players will be playing against Inter Miami. They'll be playing against Orlando City. They'll be playing against Tampa Bay Rowdies. All these teams that they played with in the U.S. Development Academy, they're now going to be playing this in this MLS Elite Academy. So basically, it's just a rebranding and uh, some minor changes to, you know, internally how the how the the league is going to be run. So very exciting, very exciting for the market. Great stuff for JFC, um, you know. And and Pat Cannon, the the executive director there, has obviously put put the uh, put the club in a great position for them to still be seen as an elite club. Uh, for those players. So, yes, very good stuff. All very good stuff. Nathan Walter with us here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We celebrate the Jacksonville Armada, celebrate local sports. He's the president and GM of the Armada. Uh, I'm not too smart of a guy, Nathan. So <laughs> the way I get it here is I believe there's kind of two real big tentacles to the Armada and kind of a long-term sustainable success. One, you said the stadium, but also the second part is that youth program, youth development, being a part of it, grow soccer in the area. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, we, you want you want the game to grow, right? And culture is something that um, that people talk a lot about, and I don't think people really truly understand it when it comes to a big, broad understanding of culture. What we're trying to do is make people... So I believe soccer in the United States is a very generational thing. And so when I moved here 10 years ago, there wasn't many parents who coached kids who had actually played the game. Now you're seeing kids within these youth programs where the parents played at college or the parents played at a PDL level, a semi-pro you know, soccer level. What you're starting to see is this generational thing where... The more these these players and people are seeing soccer, the more it's ingraining in, in into their into the culture, right? And, and I think within the next, you know, the World Cup's coming up in 2026. I think what we're about to see over this next 10 year generation is a real love for the game and a real understanding of the game. Now, what we want to do is the Jacksonville Armada. Again, we don't want to compete with youth academies. What we want to do is support them. By going out there and getting into, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to give away what our release is, but, you know, we want to get into the school programs. We want to do after-school programming. We want to do neighborhood clinics. You know, we want to help and support uh, just the community in general to understand what the game is and, and to fall in love with the game like I did at the age of five, right? If, if we can create memories through the game of football or soccer, 
that's what we want to do. And, and, and that's going to be our youth strategy for this period of time. Yeah, very well said. Nathan Walter with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, are, are there, is there anybody else like you guys right now? Uh, and, and I guess the patience you guys have had, Robert Palmer yourself, to navigate through this time? Because right now the Armada, if I understand, doesn't have a coach or players, hasn't played a match in, in very, a very long time. Uh, how unusual is this for, yeah, to, there for is. the patients? There is. Unfortunately, you know, when U.S. soccer decided to take away the North American Soccer League uh, uh, sanctioning, you know, there was 10 clubs that basically fell into this situation. Now, a few of them have moved on. They've gone into different leagues and they're, and they're kicking off. But they had a potential sta- or they had a stadium option to do that, right? Okay. We didn't. When, when, when Robert came in and took over the club, we knew we needed to sort out a stadium deal. We needed to have a deal that made sense. We needed a venue that made sense. And those clubs that don't have that stadium are the same clubs that are in our situation. So everybody's working really, really hard to get to this point where we can have sustainability through a stadium before kicking a soccer ball. Okay, makes and, a, um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and and but I, I think people, the fans around here, appreciate that patience. I, I think they want to see the other side of it sometime, but but I think they understand it. And uh, uh, there are some diehard Armada fans who want to see this thing survive and grow. Uh, last part of it, uh, you mentioned esports. The Armada getting into the esports yeah. a little bit. Explain that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we've competed in the lower league E Cup. Uh, Luis Lorendi, our um, our uh, esports player, has competed in the cup. Esports is something that is, is, as you know, is growing and it's got even more exposure and growth during this pandemic because it's literally it's just you and someone sitting on a computer and playing. So there's no real social interaction physically. But um, but esports is something that, that's that's important to us. Uh, we're seeing it as a growth and we're seeing it as another venture under the Armada brand. So um, so we're going to keep pushing that. We unfortunately missed out on a tournament. Uh, we would be the MPSL just created an EMPSL. Unfortunately, we missed out on that tournament, but uh, we are going to be playing more tournaments here in the future. And um, we're, we're definitely growing that brand, and, and, and esports is something that's, uh, that's really important to us that we, we want to keep pushing forward. Wow, good stuff. I love all, I, I, I love you having you on today. And, and again, for the Armada fans out there, and, and we celebrate local sports, there's a lot going on behind the scenes, even if we're not seeing uh, the Armada's name on a scoreboard, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it don't stop. I'm grinding away each day, you know. And uh, at some point, I hope I can sit in that stadium and uh, and just smile and look at everybody, enjoy it. And um, and and talking about the fans, Brent, you're absolutely right. We have some unbelievable people who are who are flying the flag, who are who are cheering us on. And uh, and at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about them. And um, and we want to do it the right way. So that's why we just got to be a little bit more patient. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate the work that's going into it. Can't wait to see the other side of it. And always good to have you on. Nathan Walter, President and GM of the Jacksonville Armada. Be well, man. Thanks, guys. All the best. Yeah, all right. Thank you. Uh, Jacksonville Armada Day here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll have Stuart Weber on. He really knows his stuff. He did the play-by-play for the Armada, kind of knows where it sits. So we'll get a little different perspective. Uh, and, and what the Armada – what do they mean to, to the city of Jacksonville? Again, there is a hardcore base that, that was going to those games, loved waving that flag, loved the idea of soccer, and it uh, sounds like from what Nathan just said, hanging around to see where this thing goes uh, sometime down the road, hopefully sooner uh, than uh, later. So we'll talk about that.
a little bit later on. All right, let's talk a little more Tyson. Tyson Holyfield. Tyson, do you want to see it happen? Hmm. What are your thoughts? We've got some responses on social media. We'll get to that and a whole bunch more next on ESPN 690. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.